Welcome to Ask Andy featuring Andrew Redleaf. Ask Andy is sponsored by Park State Bank. Visit www.parkstatebank.com for all your banking needs. So today I want to return to my favorite topic. Um, For now is inflation. And in particular, some comments on Chairman Powell's statement after the recent FOMC meeting. Now, one of the points Powell emphasized is that while inflation readings above the 2% target will be tolerated and are expected and so forth, and I think he even hinted at the possibility of there being a uh, 4% number, he indicated he wasn't too concerned because inflation expectations are, I believe in his words, you know, well anchored around the Fed's 2% number. And obviously, expectations of future inflation are important as they affect how people negotiate for long-term contracts. And in particular, in the inflation episode of the 70s, inflation proved very hard and very painful to eliminate, and everybody talked about ingrained expectations, and that if everybody expected prices to rise, it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, The next day or thereabouts, maybe it was a day before even, uh, Paul Krugman had an editorial in the New York Times downplaying the threat of inflation, mocking, as he so uh, often endearingly does, you know, people who worried about inflation in the 2010-2011 context after the monetary injection and stimulus following the financial crisis. And again, Krugman's explanation was sticky prices, negotiated prices, anchored to consumer and businesses' uh, expectations of inflation, which... Um, he sees as well-contained. And I believe both Powell and Krugman pointed out that within um, commodity markets, we often see um, blips in demand or disruptions in supply leading to significant price swings. But uh, we don't worry about that as a source of permanent inflation because they are uh, often and certainly viewed as temporary. They're not recurring, self-fulfilling, reflexive, etc., I have to say, I'm not persuaded. The argument for expectations being anchored can't be dismissed out of hand because certainly since 1980, we've been in a period of uh, first disinflation and then low inflation and uh, pain in the 80s and then supposedly enforced in the 90s by the bond market Vigilante's gone sometime in the new millennium, but unnecessary because consumers and businesses now, you know, were sort of trained that inflation would be contained. And in the Krugman editorial, he comments that the Fed made a massive series of errors precluding the inflation surge of the 70s, and the Fed won't do it again. You know, I'm not 100% sure exactly what those errors were and how it is that we can be sort of so confident that the Fed won't do it again. But that's the argument. And, you know, throughout the 90s, as Greenspan was being looser with monetary policy than many of us thought was prudent and so forth, 
he, you know, always came back that if inflation starts, they'll be quick and they will be able to counter it before expectations harden and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think that kind of reasoning and statement does have to be seen in the light of Greenspan's also frequent statements that bubbles may or may not exist. You can't tell until afterwards and you couldn't necessarily prevent them even if you saw them coming. And when they pop, one one can fix it. That's been the monetary uh, doctrine. I think on a number of levels, there's reason to be skeptical. First, let's talk a little bit about the stickiness of expectations, the anchoredness of expectations. And I would suggest that all of the you know psychological literature indicates that people give recent events too much weight and kind of prominent events, spectacular events, too much weight. And it's easy to imagine scenarios in which stories, events, occurrences of shortages and price spikes come to dominate the narrative at a point where shortages and spikes can't really be easily explained with a resonant story of their cause and temporary nature relatively quickly this can become the dominant narrative and i think to some degree we're seeing this currently within the pandemic obviously in the beginning shortages of ppe latex gloves etc. now. Unavailability of vaccine to everybody. But both of those clearly understandable and easily seen as temporary. Somewhat harder to see the chip shortage now affecting auto production. Much less clear. Container shortages also less clear. I would suggest that we're not too many stories away from shortages and bottlenecks being a dominant narrative. The other event, you know, I think in the course of time may be seen as seminal and with tend to have a long-running effect on the narrative and therefore expectations. Uh, in Alabama, Amazon faces a unionization vote at a facility. The vote ends March 29th. I'm not sure if there are polls, if there's, you know, I haven't read anything on expectations, but an Amazon warehouse unionizing would be a huge story. And after the fact, could be analogous to the story of Reagan firing the air traffic controllers in early 80s, which in certain narratives is an inflection point in weakening labor, in crushing labor cost push inflation, and part of the disinflation story of the 80s. Win or lose, I think the threat of unionization, the threat of poor labor relations at a company like Amazon is an important story in that Amazon may well fairly aggressively raise wages to combat the threat of unionization, the threat being almost as powerful as the fact. I think if one can imagine a unionized Amazon facing the threat of a broadly honored strike, 
that is a sort of different universe. That is a different narrative on shortages and prices. Just one more anecdote before I sign off. Restaurant prices are going up. I know the uh, pancake houses, uh, we are very likely to raise prices over the next handful of months. There's obviously been a reduction in the supply of restaurants. Many have gone out of business and very likely some pent up demand and a likely return to normal. Historically, Meals Away From Home has been a median kind of inflation indicator. Meals Away From Home have tended to be in the middle of price changes in different sectors. Also have the feature of being a recurring item that people see, you know, sort of as people see food and energy, groceries and energy, people who eat out regularly, and unlike direct, you know, grocery prices and energy prices, restaurant prices, meals away from home are not routinely excluded from the CPI calculations. One sees arguments among economists about the degree to which globalization and demographics, the ratio of the available workforce to consumers and dependents, one sees arguments about how big that effect has been and will be given its reversal. And I think consensus is that the reversal will increase kind of baseline inflation, as it were, somewhere between half a percent and one and a half percent a year, with a handful of outlying economists suggesting materially more, you know, two, three, four percent. In those discussions, one rarely, if ever, sees that, which is to say the degree to which globalization and demographics affected psychology, which is to say inflation expectations, as opposed to the simple numbers on supply and demand. But I think, you know, for those who see a more dramatic supply and demand effect, I think it could certainly be amplified by a change in psychology. So to conclude, I don't think one can dismiss the effect of 40 years worth of experience in terms of forming expectations. But at the end of the day, I am suggesting that they are not as well anchored as the Fed chairman would like, and that certainly within a year's time, a dominant narrative can change and what was thought to be well-anchored is, in fact, unmoored. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ask Andy. If you would like to submit a question, please email askandypodcast at gmail.com. Ask Andy is sponsored by Park State Bank. Visit www.parkstatebank.com for all your banking needs.